warning, warning. Two idiots are reading the SCP files over the intercoms. I hate order. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to a very solemn episode of Discovering SCP. It's with a hard heart that I lost to confirm that earlier today on the day of recording, November 12th, 2022, Hamilton was in a freak accident reduced to a pile of green slime. We don't know if he's dead, but we know his form has changed. And there's no one to blame for that. There's no witnesses. We can only speculate as to as to what might have happened. What do you think about that's this? Really sad. I think that's do you really think they'll sad. find out who did it? Do you know who the witnesses might um... be if there are? <laughs> not, do you know where really. they could be found? <laughs> not sure. What's happening? Well, then it's like, oh. we need to find out who did this to Hamilton. We need to find the witnesses, you know? Figure out. If, if, oh, if, did you pave him over on the server? What? Is he not... what, do you, what do you mean? Oh. I would never do it. Did someone <laughs> see me do it? Is that what you're saying? I, who was it? No, I didn't see anything. Who saw? It must, it must have been the wind. Oh, okay. <laughs> What? But um, yeah, welcome back to Discovering SCP episode one thirty two. We are back. Hello, Dino. Yes, we are back. And after that, solemn news. I have some good news. Pokemon <laughs> Ash Ketchum finally <laughs> became the champion of all the world. I thought that already happened in Alola. No, he won. That was the first time he won a tournament. Period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then okay. the next one he won, it was the world championship. So it's a pretty good step up, I'd say. Yeah, he got better. You guys yeah, he all thought he was going to suck forever. <laughs> you had to win once. <laughs> oh my god. Pokemon has been going on so long. Pikachu finally unlocked Gear 5. It was fantastic. He always knew he could. Okay. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's the question? How many hacking articles do you have today? I have one, two, three articles today. And I'm glad you said articles, not SCPs, because none of these are stinking SCPs per se. Are they Tails? <laughs> exactly. I like Tails. I think that's, like, the good part. We finally found a good part of SCP. Yeah. And I think you'll like these Tails most of all. Wow. Let me see. Are they resuming tails? certain series that we started a long time ago? Is it the Antima Max Division? You got it, baby! I wish I was more put together for this. Oh no, I'm not all there. Did you forget? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Well, I gotta ask you something, Darnell. Where have you yeah. been all my life? Oh, that's, that's the name cute. of the tale. No, I think you just said that to me, but you used the tail to do it. Oh. <laughs> wow, this one's... Even Flushed his emoji. tails get upvotes. That's how you know Quantum's crazy yeah. good. Anomaly. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> this is Where Have You Been All My Life by Quantum. By Quantum. That's Quantum spelled Q-N-T-M, by the way. Check him out on Twitter, Instagram, all the great places I know you read. I think the craziest thing about Quantum is I'll hear about some, like, cool little internet thing and, and like, like, someone... Like, Quantum directed this major motion picture. Yeah! <laughs> It'll be like, like, like the other day I was reading about Hatress and it was like, oh, Quantum made this. I was like, that's crazy. I know that guy. He was on the podcast. He was. He just like me for real. Okay, you have to... We reduced it. We took him from a great author and we reduced him to a co-host. <laughs> Proof that we only drag people down. We just absorbed him into discovering SCP. <laughs> Spiderweb. <laughs> okay. There's always a strand stuck to you, even after you're off the show. What floor is that? That is um, the the, out, the outside of the tower. I think it's another realm that's like a big spiderweb. Oh, so sticky. Okay, you should probably keep reading now. Okay. Let's go! Uh, Who the fuck... Infiltrates a senior foundation official's home while they're home. Um, could you curse a little less, please? Shut the fuck up. You... I almost, I almost demonetized the podcast again. <laughs> you almost did it again. So <laughs> casual. That's that British blood in him. It exactly. always aches him one step further. <laughs> I never give up. <laughs> it's like there's something about this guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Marion Wheeler lives deep in Coniferous Forest, a long drive from the nearest major city, and a long drive in the opposite direction from Site-41. It's late, last thing, 
and she's reading in bed when she hears the muffled, unmistakable click of her front door being unlocked. She looks up and stares blankly at the wall for a second while listening to soft footsteps moving into the hallway. She marks her place and reaches for her foundation as she'd phone. She has no permanent security staff at home. The division is understaffed and train operatives are much more serious need on site. But the buildings and grounds have beefy electronic countermeasures. Nadis, she discovers, have all been disabled, along with the sensors and cameras. She was not notified that this has happened. Whoever did it had a valid code. Here, though. The foundation of his enemies. True, the list of credible, motivated enemies is surprisingly short, and the list of groups stupid enough to try and kill or capture someone at her level is shorter, but it's far from empty. And it's not actually so hard a feat. Not too many people below O5 level are privileged to travel in motorcades. The real trick, the impossible trick, is to avoid unholy retaliation. But what if you really think you can? What if you decided it's worth it? Wheeler triggers the silent alarm. She sets her phone back down on the nightstand and collects her gun. She rolls out of bed, tucks a few pillows in her place, moves silently to her bedroom door, stands beside it, listening and thinking. This door, her silent door, her bedroom door, <laughs> the silent door, her bedroom door, can't be open silently. And my dog is sort of nestled next to my desk here for some reason. It he heard like Silent Door, it reminded him of home, the place he once was. The Silent Realm, where he came and attacked Sammy Towers from. <laughs> is that when, new lore? When he used to be human. <laughs> oh my it God. creaks like hell, so she goes through it, shoved you ready to draw attention. There's an attic, but access is out there on the landing, and again, can't be operated silently. There's no alternate route to ground level other than jumping from the window, and someone has to be covering it. Even if she landed in the bushes alive, she's left to break the perimeter of a sprained ankle. A better question than who is how many. She may already be straight up dead, simply due to numbers. If the attackers tread caution... I caution actually... This is pretty clever what he did here, but... He, he talks about how she thinks she's already dead, but actually she's alive right now. Exactly. Bravo, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> she may already be straight up dead, simply due to numbers. If the attackers tread cautiously and try to flush her out, she figures she can home alone her way through perhaps eight of them before running out of luck. If they rush the second door and have armour, she might be overwhelmed by as few as two, even with the staircase acting as a choke point. All of this naturally assumes that the attackers aren't anomalous. If they are, and they're not in the, say, 30% of anomalies which can be neutralised simply by shooting them in the centre mass and head, she may be fundamentally helpless even after the response team shows up, which will be, at best, ten minutes from now. A creaking. Stand house. Someone is coming up the stairs, making no effort to be quiet about it. A soft tread, though. As if they removed their shoes. Just one of them? That barely makes sense. With five seconds grace, Willa casts around the dark room for a second weapon. She knows her own little needles downstairs in the lounge, knives, <gasps> good ones in the kitchen. What's this, what's this gasp? <laughs> oh, just, I knew she knew. You knew, you said so. Yeah. But she can't get to them. It's too late. The door's opening. Seems like the man's trying to say something as he comes in, but only gets as far as, all right, whoop, and it's done. He's flat on his face, cheek pressed into deep green carpets, with wheel on his back, pinning both his wrists with her knees. She sights urgently back down the stairs for a second. There's no one there. She prods him in the other cheek with the muzzle of the gun. You speak, you die, she hisses. You try to move, you die. She glances at the windows. Checks the stairs again, listens intently. There's no sound. There's nothing to be seen. The man is fifty and lanky. He wore an expensive dark suit tailored to his build. He has angular features, thick graying hair and rimless spectacles, now quite possibly bent out of shape by the sudden impact of the floor. He wears discreet platinum jewellery, a wristwatch, cufflinks and a ring. The two of them halt like that, a tableau. He makes no attempts to move, although he does look askance at Wheeler, as best as he can, giving his dislodged glasses. Wheeler asks, Where are the others? It's just me, Marion, he answers. Who are you? He says nothing for a moment, but his expression slowly, subtly drops. I, uh, well, well, it really happened, didn't it? I always wondered. Who are you? There is a monster which follows you around and eats your memories, the man says. SCP-4987. You drip feet it inconsequential trivia so it doesn't go after anything important. You watch game shows, the book you were reading just now, on your nightstand, it's a trivia book, right? 
Willis says nothing to confirm or deny this, although it is true. At feeding times, the entity manifests like a bright gold-white spot in the corner of her eye. It's gone now. She's already put the rest of it together. It is all mind-bogglingly, insultingly obvious. With a well-suppressed but still detectable note of dismay, she asks, What's your name? Adam, he says. Adam Wheeler. <gasps> Husband arc? What happened? Well, why don't you popcorn and tell me what happened? <laughs> oh, well, obviously, she has the man detained. She instructs her people to interrogate him lightly and to run deep background research on every word he utters, while for her part, she stands far back from the investigation to avoid contamination. She resists the urge to interfere, particularly to visit Adam and personally demand answers. She goes to her office, curls up on the couch there, and tries to catch some sleep, but doesn't succeed in any real sense. Seven hours later, a foundationer knocks on her office door, bringing an inch-thick block of printouts and a paralyzingly strong cup of coffee. Wheeler takes the drink first, accepting it as a kind of authentication step before letting the man in. She moves back to the couch and sits hunched over the drink for warmth, inhaling its fumes. The man settles heavily into a chair opposite. He is a misleadingly stocky, perpetually unshaven individual, somewhere just shy of 40, and inarguably the most dangerous person on the site. He is the division's physical fitness and combat instructor, and the leader of their solitary mobile task force. His name is Alex Goss. They, uh, he says, figured I should be the one to present their results, even though I didn't research one line of it. Because we get along. Their words. Personally, I don't see it. Wheeler stays focused on the coffee. Who is he? Goss opens the first page. Who is he? <laughs> Who is he? The Yoda? Wasn't that her voice? She's like, oh, I'm so uh, Maybe old. not so much. <laughs> she's not that no, old. she's old. She's not she's that old. old. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's not. I remember when I did the retelling, you said I was 100% accurate. Oh, fuck, I did. I, say, I said word for word. But I never said the voice in which you spoke those words was accurate. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> the words were correct. The voice was wrong. <laughs> I better call someone. Goss opens the first... Okay, you can win now. Go ahead. Goss opens the first page of the report. More for show than anything. Then closes it again. Uh, He's your husband. Every word checks out. There is limitless physical evidence. Half of the division knows him socially, including me. I credit your diligence and adherence to protocol... But the bottom line is that SCP-4987 got hungry. Are these the Muppets? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah, this is the Muppets anti-memetics division. <laughs> yeah, that's what they all sound like. Wheeler nods. This voice matches her own, pieced together overnight from gut reactions and analysis of the plain facts. Where the hell did her name come from? She wasn't born Wheeler, but she had to get independent verification. She asks... Has this happened before? No. Could it happen again? Gosh shrugs. There oh, were no I can't wait to get popcorn back to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect voice. God, someone kill you. Will <laughs> you stab I us? Would. I do. And I can tell you. Okay, that. okay, maybe a bit less. <laughs> I have SCP 4987 trained to me to follow me at my heel. I feed it according to a strict regimen. This is weird, by the way. Only the... Yeah, okay. I'm losing it. I'm losing the voice. Thank God. Can't happen quick enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... It's... I don't know what to do. It's... Um... What does she sound like? The the thing ate his memories is the other explanation. I, I can't remember. Do you want to pop quite that to me? Yeah, go ahead. Take over. <laughs> no worries. He's, he's, he's back so good part. at reading. <laughs> I would. I do. And I can tell you this. I have SCP-4987 trained to follow me at my heel. I feel it according to a strict regimen. It eats only the memories I say it's okay to eat. A rapidly progressive, universally fatal memory parasite made chronic and then domesticated. Now what? It suddenly breaks training? That adds up? It's a stand. It grew too big for its britches. It can't stop. It. <laughs> they got hit by the arrow. 
He got the fucking Havoc Moon app streamed him. <laughs> if you say it doesn't add up, it doesn't add up, Gauss says cautiously. But speaking from field experience, anything can happen twice. Willa has waited long enough and takes a long pull from the coffee. He stares into the coiling steam as if trying to see the future. But who is he? She asks again. At this point, you know him better than I do. What's he like? Do you like him? Gauss misses extravagantly. This is the great-great-grandmother of all loaded questions. Willa looks in the eye and says, Tell me your personal impression of Adam Wheeler. Direct order. The nice enough guy? Nice enough. Gauss clicks his tongue. I don't like him. He admits, personally, all that much. We're civil, but we'll always be a little bit too smug and a little bit too clever. He just grates. Would I throw someone in a cell for that? No. Do I like him? You Gauss begins and stops. He looks away. And over time, a soft smile develops on his face, one which Regula doesn't recall ever seen before. Not in a working relationship going back years. Yeah, he says. Yeah, he's the one. Aww. Full name. Adam what Bell- happened to him? What do you mean? Did he die? You're not paying following the story? I am. I'm a little confused. Okay, is Goss and Adam the same person? Yes no. or no? Okay. So if I'm understanding, like, Goss came to get her for some reason, no, and, but he pretended to be... Okay, hold on. This is not what happened at all. I'm concerned. <laughs> this, is a this is a new story you've created. I'm concerned. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're too no, busy okay. trying to do the fucking Muppet voice. <laughs> no, I just am having trouble focusing right now. Help me out. What happened? <laughs> Where did you get lost? Where, where did I lose you? <laughs> okay, the way I remember it is she was like, someone's in my house. There's a trap. And then she got the guy. And she's like, gotcha, who are you? And he was like, Adam. And she was like, what? And then he was like, actually, I'm Goss. I no, said Adam so you you've missed a, a, a scene transition. That's what's happened. Okay. Well, all right. Redefine it for me then. Goss is her subordinate who has just come into the room after she's been at the site for a couple of hours. They've detained Adam. Oh, and now okay. she's asking, who, what's he like? Who's Adam? What's he so, like? So she caught Adam, and yes. then that guy just came down later and was like, um, don't catch Adam. Well, they, 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 they captured Adam, and now she's like, who the fuck is Adam? He's telling her. Yes. Okay. I, I mastered that. Continue. Full name, Adam Bellamy Wheeler. Born February 27th, 1962, in Henge, Derbyshire, United Kingdom. To Rosemary Leah Wheeler, nay wished, and Jonathan Jack Philip Wheeler. No siblings. Early education, Henge Church of England Primary School. Oh, you already know that. Matlock All Saints Secondary School. <laughs> Demonstrated great <laughs> musical acuity from an early age. By age 16, had begun to be recognised as one of the most gifted classic violists of his generation. Attended the Royal College of... Do you, have you ever noticed in every story when they need like an old person to be dignified, they are like a violinist? It's <laughs> always a violinist. They're always like, I perform in the symphony. It's like, okay, shut up, Grandpa. But what if he can do, like, the devil's violin? <laughs> like, weave stars? <laughs> yeah, he can, he can beat Satan like Johnny on the throne. <laughs> He's like, let me play you a dirge of travesty. <laughs> Willis skips three pages. After sustaining a minor injury while on tour in blank, he encountered SCP-4051, which infested the wing of the hospital where he received treatment. 4051 was protected by an unusual form of anti-emetic camouflage, to which Wheeler, like an estimated 1 in 145,000 individuals worldwide, was, and remains, immune. His attempts to alert authorities to the infestation's presence was intercepted by a Foundation listening station. Operative Marion A. Hutchinson, then a field agent based in another page. Resistant to conventional memory eraser procedures, Hutchinson applied successfully for exemption, arguing that even with his memories left intact, it would be impossible for the Wheeler to share the details of SCP-4051. They subsequently became romantically involved. Oh, they subsequently became romantically involved, did they? Tell me more, you featureless grey sphere of a biographer, and I'm hooked now. Biography is constantless beyond this point. Adam Wheeler's life spent touring, playing, lecturing, and officially conducting, writing, and posing is documented in exhaustive, pointless detail. He withstands background checks and surveillance, and consistently demonstrates himself to prevent zero risk of leak. He eventually receives the extremely low clearance level normally granted to long-term Foundation external partners and Foundationers. 
They get married. She takes his name, which she, reading, considers faintly unrealistic. Blah, blah. There is nothing about his personality, nothing about the relationship, no contents. She remembers acquiring SCP-4051. There was no one there. She remembers nothing. Shall I pop come back to you? I'll try my best. That's kind of sad. So she's like, okay, he existed, but all the all the time we spent together, she doesn't know any of the details. Yeah. That's sad. Damn. That's a sad-ass bitch. <laughs> That's a sad bitch. What? She's crying. Last time you called her an old ass bitch. What's going on? I'm just gonna keep stacking the debuffs. My god. Stop! (laughs) Up until the end of the third round of questioning, Adam Wheeler assumes good faith. He figures the repetition is a due diligence tick, a corporate procedural requirement. It's only when they start over from, what's your name, with a brand new interviewer for the fourth time that he finally gets it. They don't like him, and they don't care what he thinks his name is. They're trying to grind him down until he can't think, until he's just dust particles they can sift through for data. Oh wait, so this isn't even the first time this has happened, that's so sad. (laughs) He reacts badly to this realization. He asks for his wife, and asks for his wife, and they ignore him, and they ignore him, and she persistently fails to appear, until it becomes a cold form of torture. The questions keep coming, and nothing stops them. Not answering truthfully, not not answering, not lying, not rambling off on tangents. They don't stop until he begins falling asleep in the middle of his own sentences. He wakes up in a standard humanoid containment unit, a stackable one-bedroom apartment with holographic fake windows, impregnable walls, and extensive discrete modifications for the security and monitoring of anomalous entities. This one is on the first basement level, but he can't tell that. The bright, quote, light, unquote, pouring in through the main living area window is authentic enough to tan. He wakes up on the couch with a start. I think it's authentic enough, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's nice of you to say. I didn't even realize. (laughs) Enough to tan. He looks up, rubbing his eyes. It's his wife. Marion, oh my god! He leaps up and rushes over to meet her. She stops him a few paces short with a gesture and a cold smile. And that hurts. It hurts more than anything. So it really happened. 4987 has bitten out the part of Marion Wheeler which cared about him. She wasn't absent because of some unrelated K-class outbreak. She just chose to be elsewhere, indifferent. So he doesn't embrace her. He stands at a polite distance. How are you feeling? Did you sleep? I'm fine. I can tell you've had your coffee. Have you eaten? Come on, I'll make you something. The unit has a rudimentary kitchen area. He goes through and starts exploring the cupboards. There must be something edible around here. Eggs and milk, at least. I'm ashamed to say I more or less fell asleep where I was standing when they put me in here, so I haven't had a chance to scout. Or do you keep the place empty and the food arrives to a slot in the wall? Marion begins. Mr. Wheeler. Adam shoots her a disappointed look. Okay, she says. Adam. Please come and sit down. You're right. There's nothing in any of those cupboards. He closes the cupboard and sits opposite her at the kitchen table. Scrambled eggs on granary toast, he suggests. With a lot of garlic in the eggs. That's what we both need right now. Particularly you, because if I don't make something substantial for you, you end up drinking those wretched wallpaper paste milkshakes seven days a week, or you skip the meal entirely. Adam, we've been married for 17 years. Is that correct? Yes. I I don't know you. That's fine, Adam says. I doubt that that's going to be a serious problem. You've told me many, many times about your own people who've lost themselves in the work and had to bootstrap their personalities a second time. You love watching it. It's like watching butterflies emerge from chrysalides. The best of your people can turn that around in ten weeks. Imagine how fast it's going to be for you. No, Wheeler replies. Her tone is clinical, matter-of-fact. I'm afraid it's not possible. What's not possible? I can't begin a new relationship right now. Certainly not something as serious as a marriage. You have nominal clearance. You know what we do. I have responsibilities. I do not have time. This isn't new, Adam says, deadpan. It's pre-existing. No, Wheeler explains. 
that relationship has ended now, and we are somewhere else. So that's like what you would say. <laughs> I'm done now. Adam stares at her for a long moment, thin-lipped and far from happy. He asks her, What do you remember? The question is so open-ended that Wheeler doesn't manage to respond verbally. She spreads her hand slightly, the gesture saying, What? You don't remember me, Adam says. SCP-4987 also clearly ate the part of you which would care if you forgot me. And additionally, the part of you which cares about brunch. What else have you forgotten? Would be a stupid question to ask. So instead I'm asking you, what's left? I want you to tell me everything you can remember. Everything I can remember? Yes. From 1995 to right now. That's when I was born. Wow, really? Yeah, almost a third of my life ago. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) You you know, I've realized now, you're 27, right? Yeah. Um, You're 11 years in now to the wiki. So soon it's going to be half of your life. You're going to have to upgrade. Please don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) You can't hate that place that much. Come on, they're not that bad. It's not that bad getting old, man. Don, every time we end the call, he just calls me an old ass bitch over and over again. <laughs> yes, I'm like ha, back to the retirement home with your old ass. He starts pointing Not to really. uh, the words Marion Williams. Says, "Is this you? Is this you?" And he just screams <laughs> it. And so I end the call crying. <laughs> That's just because I'm Heisenberg. <laughs> um, Who is it you think you're still... talking to right now? <laughs> it's still a farcical question at face value. And Wheeler's first instinct is to dismiss it as such. But she thinks again. She thinks, intending to genuinely try to answer the question. And she finds gaps. There's a dearth of specifics. It's like being asked to say something and immediately forgetting all words. She says, I remember working. And driving home. And then sleep. And then driving back to work. Big, hostile buildings. Drug regiments. Wait, is that supposed to be drug regimes, or am I stupid? Uh, oh, drug regiments, because she's taking... Yeah. yeah. Drug, drug, drug regiments. I remember fighting the cartel. <laughs> I was in Cuba. Uh, containment procedures. Donny Radio. <laughs> Magnum P.I. <laughs> she, she was um, Salamanca. <laughs> and try... Uh, Drug regimen. Show me. Contain procedure. Let's not make any backwards or references. <laughs> We're not going to get through three of these stories. I already fucking know. <laughs> drug regimens, container procedures, endless piles of opaque numbers, personal fitness drills, running, calculating, never ever stopping calculating. She remembers with unfair clarity a large variety of extremely bad dreams. And other than that, nothing. A huge, deep, ragged-edged black pit. Adam says, you remember nothing good, do you? Nothing good at all. Wait, wait who's talking now? Is it him? Yeah, he's looking Okay. Out. When you come home, on the nights you make it home, you're ready to fold up. It's never been an easy job. But these past few years have been the worst they've ever been, because you're coming to the conclusion of something gigantic. You've explained to me how it is that you can never tell me really what it is that you do, without the act of you telling me killing me. And I I couldn't stand that at first. And I still hate your job, and I think it's a monstrous farce. But I trusted you in that. And I stopped asking questions. But I can tell from the rattle in your hands and the things you don't say and the way you sleep that there's some kind of war going on back here. And you're losing people to it. And you're almost at the end. And you're going to win. So I scramble your eggs and I play the violin for you, which increases your health regeneration. And between us, we hack out about three-tenths of what I would consider to be normalcy. Not because you can't do this without me. You could take the whole universe by yourself if you really had to. But to blazes with that, you don't have to. He's so romantic. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. Can we just get married What a fine gentleman. What a catch. <laughs> it didn't happen instantly. She's like, "This you're just talking a whole lot right now." It didn't happen instantly, but it happened pretty damn fast. We had music in common at first, Bach and Mendelssohn. We had tobacco in common, and a mutual hatred of the X Files. I've never seen it personally. Then it was coffee and wine, and then after some time, it became hiking and bird watching and Perseid meters, meteors. We like Bruce Lee flicks. 
We watch Law and Order and Jeopardy, and we read stacks and stacks of books. Aw, they're like old nerds. No, in <laughs> fairness, it's mainly me for the books. You don't have the long-term time to spare anymore. Damn. He pinches the bridge of his nose for a second. Any two people can find that much common ground. Just being in the same place for years doesn't count for anything. What do they have? We communicate, he says, better than anybody I've seen. We can be apart for two months while I'm on tour, or you're overseas and snap right back and pick up a conversation from the word we left off. We're connected. We're in the same headspace. You'll see it all. It'll happen again just as fast. You've just got to give it a chance. Wheeler is almost there. She sees the shape of what Adam is describing. It's distant and unclear, but if she concentrates, she might be able to bring it into focus. It worries her for nebulous reasons she can't completely articulate, but she can almost understand how there could be room for it. How it could lock into her life as it currently exists and still makes sense. But Adam just said something crucial. He said a keyword, which means the marriage counseling session is over and this is now a situation. Wheeler can't ignore it. She forces herself to drop the other thread and seize this one. What war? And now, Adam really doesn't know what's happening. Good God, the war, Marion! I don't know how else to describe it! The British, they're coming! <laughs> Hello, Marion. <laughs> uh, what war? How many people? I don't know, Adam says. There are names, names you stop mentioning, and then you ignore me when I bring them up again. I assume there are reasons. I don't know the specifics. How could I know? Why don't you know? Wheeler races through the reasoning. The existence of a war computes confirms long-term existing suspicions. It could have been going on for years without her realizing it. It makes sense to her that she could be fighting it, winning even, and not know. Managing her own memories or losing them in skirmishes. This certainly won't be the first time she's uncovered it. It makes sense that Adam, naturally gifted with the mental equivalent of a thick layer of blubber, could stand on the edge of the conflict and dimly be able to perceive it. And the division so understaffed. People are disappearing around her. And what if... She begins, and stops dead in the middle of the thought, as if the thought itself was stolen out of her. Alright, popcorn. And what if we get back together and she begins again, and this time a hard instinct sees around the midsection and bodily hauls her from thinking a thought which, it knows, would kill her. She's wily coyote. She's already run off the edge of a precipice into clear air, and thinking that thought would be like looking down. She feels SCP-4987 moving around her, abstractly bound to her, a winking speck of glitter in her eye. Something's wrong. Adam scratches at his own eye. Do you see that? How can you see that? I have a mild immunity to antimimetic influence, Adam says. He knows it's in his file, he knows Wheeler has read the file, but apparently it needs to be said again. I can tell when something is fritzing with my memories, I can resist it, just up to a point. So, Marion, I was hoping to have a relaxed conversation over coffee and get around this topic organically, but I'm going to have to skip to the end. I have the impression that SCP-4987 is trying to kill me. No, Wheeler says. That's not its behaviour model. It doesn't sustain itself that way by eating people. It eats memories. It has never done this. Not to you, nor me, nor anybody. Not since the very early days. It's tame. It does exactly what I tell it to do. Even when I'm waiting, and I'm bored, and I let it eat my short term, it sits and waits to be told to eat. That was a fucking badass. <laughs> Damn. It's like, I'm sick of this. Make me not remember this anymore. My stando. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Forget the me not. Then what is it doing to us? Adam is getting nervy and won't let go of his eye. He stands up and backs away. I would like it if we could figure this out quickly. We don't have a way to put the SCP-497 down. There's a sound in Wheeler's mind, but not in her ear, like a distant chorus of baying dogs. She stands too and moves after Adam into the middle of the containment unit. She says, It's trying to protect you. I... How does wiping your memory of me protect me? I can't explain, Willa says. And I can't explain why I can't explain. I don't fully know myself. There's a... A what? You can't be here, she says. There's a discovering SCP. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> Two idiots are reading the SCP files over the intercom. No. <laughs> We're like standing in the doorway or menacing. <laughs> 
You can't oh, be it's here, so evil. she says. You can't be in my life. You have to leave or you're going to die. I'm not lying. You leave No, I'm not leaving you, Adam says. Christ, that's why we did it in the end. Got married, I mean. You're scintillating obvious to both of us very early on that we were forever. I wanted to get on the public record. I, I stood up in front of everyone I respect, and I swore to them that I'll protect you. Forever. Yes, B4987 is agitated. Wheeler feels it flitting around the room, incoherence, trying to tell her what it needs. She says, with sudden astinic clarity, I must have made an identical promise. Adam dumbles over, blinded in both eyes now. Closing his eyes does nothing, covering his eyes does nothing. The gold-white light is strobing for him, moving into violet. He panics. Help! Help me, I can't see! He reaches out unsteadily for Wheeler's hand. She lets him take it and pull her close. The light doesn't fade. He clings to Wheeler for a few moments, and she holds onto him until he realises that SCP-4987 is completely within her control, and this is all intentional. You're going to do this? Adam says. This is the Foundation mandate. This is what your definition of protect amounts to? You've got no idea what you're about to do to yourself. You don't even know me. I think I know, she replies. You will feel this for the rest of your life. Every day you'll wake up with a sick, cold feeling in your stomach where there used to be a real life. And you'll wonder why. I'm going to win this war, Willa says to him. I'll beat the universe, and then I will come and find out why. Adam holds on to her for another long moment. He can hear the bane that too now. And they can even barely perceive where it is, far off behind the hill that SCP-4987 is frantic about. That distant dot, that fleeting second-hand glimpse of the shape of it, is enough to terrify him. He has faith. He knows how fast Marion can put the jigsaw pieces back together, work against the universe that makes no sense to her, isolate the truth. He knows she can take the universe. But a sharp misgiving jabs him in the stomach, and he can't stop himself saying, And what if you lose? He kisses him. It's a stranger's kiss. There's nothing that Adam recognises. He breaks off, unsettled. It's a whisper now. What if you lose? Wheeler exits the containment unit. She slams and deadlocks the door with a single movement. The heavy metallic crack makes the whole building shake. There are people outside. Gauss, Julie Still and a few others compiling notes. They look appalled. Fill in his backstory, she tells them. He was never married. Relocate him to where I'll never find him, incinerate all the evidence, then report to me for surgical memory erasure. I'll do myself last. Gauss looks as if he has a rejection, who stirs him down. My husband's dead, she says. Damn. Damn. Cancelled. I tried so hard and got so far. <laughs> That's how I feel right now in my soul for, for Marion and Adam. Have you ever have you ever loved and lost ten? Well, I remember we used to have three co-hosts. <laughs> I don't even remember their name anymore. <laughs> Purple toast, you don't recall. <laughs> Purple toast. Fuck you. I can't remember like the the the, the made up name. It's always something ending with toast. <laughs> yes, I can remember it. The shape it of it just fits the outline. <laughs> Oh goodness, that was fun. That's um, fun. I feel they suffered. I feel really. <laughs> I feel really bad that I am not a hundred percent there because I'm so excited for more memetic series. But I did grasp the shape of the story. It terrified me. <laughs> it terrified me to my core. I was like, "What is love, baby? Don't hurt me." That didn't um, hurt that's me gonna be. Um, he, it kept hurting me. 13 out of 10 for you, Quantum. Nice. Quantum. Quantum. You made it. Welcome to the big leagues. <laughs> pull, pull them up to the 99th floor. <laughs> the one man <laughs> should have all that power. <laughs> Same fucking Saintro. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think we have just okay. enough time for one more. So free is not happening. I've accepted that in my heart of hearts. <laughs> Just distract for a moment while I get water. He's getting water, you know. <laughs> Maybe you can swim in it. <laughs> Maybe you can have a swim. <laughs> Maybe you can have a little paddle. <laughs> Maybe you can swim around a little bit. 
Maybe you can swim around, huh? <laughs> Maybe you can hey. swim. Huh? Hey! What? Who's swimming? <laughs> I yeah, heard what? That. Are you friends with these viewers or something? Why are you standing up for them, you freak? You <laughs> 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 fucking school bully. No, they're my parasocial relationship. <laughs> oh my god, give me the give me the tail. What fresh hell is Darnell gonna unleash on me next time? Uh, fresh hell? More like um Let's continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Well, yeah, or should we just get into it? Yes, yes, get into it. There's another conglomeration of severed fingers in the last room, coating the room's interior like the innards of an exploded elephant. Parts of the sprawls are feeling their way like mold into a medical cabinet, and the rest is splayed over a fetal shape on a medical gurney. The mask reacts sharply to the new light as Wheeler opens the door, rearing up and angling parts of itself towards him. Wheeler reels backwards and pulls the door to you just in time. There is a heavy, fleshy thump as the mask hits the door from the far side. The door holds. Wheeler trips on his own foot and slumps against the far wall. The shape on the gurney was a coiled-up human. Not a corpse, but a living human with one wide-open eye, whose whole body was being slowly consumed and processed into more fingers. They were growing out of his throat. Wheeler didn't see this. He thinks he saw it, but he knows he couldn't have. And that's it. Wheeler casts around the corridor. Every other door he's tried is blocked or locked. The place is below ground, so no windows, no, no navigable ventilation. There are two gunshots, two more gunshots, but the far end of the corridor, ear splitting an enclosed space and echoing for many seconds. Hutchinson rounds the corner at a dead run, gun in hand. Wait, who's was... Hutchinson? Well, we found out in the air that that was, was uh, Barion's name before she got married. Oh! Hutchinson rounds the corner at a dead run, gun in hand, and reaches him quickly. Find a way out? She asks, pointlessly. She can read Wheel's expression. He's found nothing good. This place is infested, Wheel says. Every room, all the stairwells. This is absurd! At the far end of the corridor, the main mass heaves itself around the corner. From this distance, it looks like an ambulatory eight-ton pile of mouldy mashed potato and fat wriggling maggots. There are toes in there as well as fingers, and small teeth and bits of bone. It has twenty bullet holes in it, and blood is flowing from all of them. But if it has vital organs, they must be elsewhere in the building, because none of the wounds have slowed it down or otherwise altered its slow, methodical homing behaviour. It smells powerfully and creatively disgusting. Like concentrated medical wastes. It lurches forward in intermittent phases, coating the walls and floor with scarlet rot as it moves. It'll bead on them in half a minute. Whoa! Oh, wait, that was scarlet ooze. You changed that. <laughs> It'll be on them in about half a minute, squashing them against the end of the corridor and then pulling them into the mess to be remade. I think we're done. Willa Quavers, thanks for trying. Oh, Quavers, that's a cute word. Hutchinson, from her part, just stands there, gun lowered, watching the thing come. It moves slowly like a road roller. It fills the corridor almost <gasps> to the ceiling. She has two bullets left and she's considering where to spend them. Shooting them at the ass itself is like shooting pudding. She'd kill for a grenade, even a fire axe would be something. She might not be able to stop the thing, but she could at least make herself known with a fire axe. She could make it feel some regret. There are worse fates, I guess, Wheeler goes on, finding herself unable to stop talking, than being digitised by that thing, but not all that many. Hutchinson glances in his direction, apparently paying him direct attention for the first time since they met, 60 crowded minutes ago. She says, Riser cupboard. What? She pushes Wheeler aside. There's a white painted wall behind him. There's a lock in it, and a long vertical seam. She spends a moment choosing the right part of the lock to shoot, and shoots it out. Behind the tall, wide panel which opens is a shallow, dusty, metal-edged space like an elevator shaft with no elevator, allowing filthy pipes and cables to pass vertically between floors. She looks up. There's just enough room to admit a person. Can you climb? She asks Wheeler. Without waiting for bomb, she sheds her suit jacket, sticks a flashlight between her teeth, and hauls herself up into the darkness. After a brief moment of scuffling, there's another gunshot. The other riser covered door. No! Willow finally manages. No, I can't climb! The mass is almost on him. He's transfixed by its motion, its all-too-familiar grasping behaviour. 
I figured Hutchinson calls down. A hand ascends, a human one with the conventional number of fingers. It's clear up here. Come on, I'm braced. Mind this lip here, it's metal. Come on. Wheeler keeps his own jacket on and buttoned. It's the only part of the situation over which he still has firm control. He has to jump to catch hold of Hutchinson's hand, and just as he jumps, the mainmast lunges for him, crossing the last few metres in a rush and catching hold of him by one foot. He sees himself die. His sweating hand immediately starts to slip out of Hutchinson's. She braces her other arm and holds him 15 or 30 centimetres with an angry grunt, and releases his hand for a split second and reaches down like a flash to take firmer hold of his wrist. She keeps pulling. The mask closes around Wheeler's foot like aggressive, proactive quicksand. He yelps and kicks it out of his other foot until it finally pries his shoe loose. The mask retreats for a second, taking a crucial moment to realise that its prize is not living flesh. But by that time, Hutchinson has hauled Wheeler up another half metre, and Wheeler has started pushing himself upward off the pipework of his feet. The mask lunges again, but falls short, and seems too unintelligent to climb after that. It sloshes around, probing its surroundings, perplexed by the shoe. Hutchinson holds Wheeler over the lip into the next corridor. He scrapes his ribs badly and arrives crawling, eyes watering. He doesn't die. He can still see himself dying. He stays on all fours for a significant amount of time, processing what just happened. Fuck! Hutchinson is already standing and apparently not even significantly exerted. We need to get to the roof. I might be able to get a signal out from there. You're at the gym pretty often, Wheeler pants sitting back. You train for fresh hell like this? <laughs> he said it! Damn. Yeah. Title drop. That's great, Wheeler says. <laughs> because I play the violin. <laughs> it's oh. not quite as physically demanding as careers go, I mean. When you said you were a county health inspector, that was an enormous lie, wasn't it? Hutchinson ignores the question, out of habit, and weighs impassably for the man to cool. Why is, we, why is Hutchinson so Sigma? <laughs> unaffected <laughs> like, like you go to the gym and he looks there and she's making the face <laughs> please this is asinine Wheeler declares this is brain damage his skin crawls and grotesque visions flood through his brain eventually he recovers his breath and gets to his feet he stands lopsided so he takes his other shoe off and throws it back down the rise of symmetry we need to get to the roof, Hutchinson says again. Wheeler blinks a long blink, then focuses on something around the corner. Something on the wall which Hutchinson can't see from where she's standing. Yeah, one second. He goes to it, hits a red panel, and pulls something down. Yeah, you were having no luck with the gun. Try this. It's a fire axe. He just like her for real. Damn. Uh, popcorn. Oh, shit. I forgot. It had to be my turn. Uh, <clears throat> he stepped on a rusty nail backstage after the show and came to the emergency room for a tetanus injection. While waiting, he slowly realized that more than half of the people waiting with him were clutching partially or entirely severed fingers. Bandsaw accidents, hands caught in car doors, hands trapped in door hinges, hands crushed in machinery, every one of them unrelated. There was an epidemic of physical injury, which should have been impossible. When he tried to bring it up with the medical staff, they didn't seem to understand what he was saying. And then he saw one of the fingers escape. He followed it as it wriggled away down a long corridor to a far corner of the hospital, to an ajar door which nobody in the hospital seemed to be able to perceive except for him, and into a different building where there were no people at all, just hundreds and hundreds of wriggling, exploring, slowly reproducing and lengthening fingers. He slammed the door and tried and failed to get someone. And this he's my fingers. <laughs> this guy is the Shigaraki of real life. I just want to destroy all might. <laughs> to see what he was seeing. He found a payphone and dialed for emergency services and ordered off the menu, asking for emergency industrial scale pest controller, hazardous containment or psychic support or something. And there was a long pause, and he was connected to what was either a very measured, dispassionate human or an impressively articulate robot operator. It told him to wait by the phone. An associate would be with him shortly. Marion Hutchinson arrived in person, slightly less than 15 minutes later. He showed her the door. They went a few paces inside, Hutchinson crouching and aiming some kind of flashlight scanner at the finger worms. Behind them, something reached out and gently pushed the door closed with a click. They turned and saw what it was and ran. Hutchinson hacks her way through the last of the flesh-clogged stairwell. They're almost at the roof. 
This part of the distributed infestation doesn't seem to be mobile, although it is freakishly grabby. Wheeler stands three paces back from her, partly to avoid the backswing, but mostly so he doesn't have to watch. It's butchery, and it's grisly, and Hutchinson barely seems perturbed by it. She slices methodically until there are waterfalls of gore coming down the stairs and soaking her shoes and his socks, and she does it with the manner of someone trimming a hedgerow. Wunch Crunch! Wheeler shivers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what sound that is, but I don't know what sound it actually is. Like, but I know the, the, the vibe of the sound. Wunch! Hunch! Like that, right? I think it's, it's a bit wetter than that, I would say, in a way that cannot be efficiently mimicked by a human voice. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Like, that kind of muddy sound. Yeah. Wheeler is shivering and starting to crash. If he doesn't stay still right in the middle of the stairwell, the remaining fingers tuck at his hair and sleeves. In another few minutes, it may finally dawn on him that this is really happening. This is crazy! This is nuts! He says to himself over and over. What was that word you used back there? Hutchinson asks. This suddenly. is a flashback, though, because she's not an old-ass bitch yet. She's a young-ass bitch. <gasps> Lunch. Mm? Don't tune out. When the mass was coming down the hall, did you say digitized? Um. Wheeler seems to change gear and wake up. Yeah, uh, but in the old sense of the word, digit meaning finger, so digitized meaning turning turned into fingers. I just got it. She's smiling. He can tell from the sound of her words. <clears throat> That's great. It is. What kind of violin music? Oh, uh, what kind would you like? Wait, who's talking? Um, Adam. Oh, Christ. Yesterday's concert was Prokofiev Violin Concerto Number 1, and a few other pieces, of course, but that was the main course for me. That was where I got my teeth in. Hutchinson stops hacking and turns around. She actually looks him in the eye. That piece is a nightmare. Why is she it's so a old? challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge, Wheeler admits brightly. No, I mean, it's chaotic. It's unlistenable. I can play anything you like, Wheeler states. Hutchinson appears to spend a moment considering this possibility. Bach. You can play some Bach? Just get me to a violin. Hutchinson thinks for a moment longer. She smiles and nods and goes back to hacking. She's for real. <laughs> can we get much higher? <laughs> the April space is real. <laughs> okay, your turn again. <laughs> and they hit the roof and Hutchinson's radio finally works and she calls everything in she speaks in rapid keywords which Wheeler can't quite follow though he can pick out his own name and hazmat and a repeated word which sounds to him like a brand of cassette tape memetics it's very nearly dawn <laughs> the wing of the hospital is a few stories shorter than its main body so rise of bright lit wards look down over the roof while well, a roof looks out over two sprawling car parks and then greenery and roads and a faint dull red where the sun is due to go up Hutchinson quickly ascertains that there is no fire escape from here. The intended fire exit from the roof is a stairwell which they, up, up which they just came, so we'll have to wait for a helicopter. Or more likely, and less romantically, a long ladder. Backup is coming, Hutchinson concludes. They have to come in for the next city over, so it could be a few hours. They'll have decontamination gear, antibiotics, blankets, tedious debriefing forms, you name it. Most importantly, coffee. Wheeler makes an inarticulate sound, the sound of one who could use the coffee, and after that, the drink. God, I have another concert today, he says. He sits on the thick perimeter wall, rubs his eyes, rubs his sore feet, and begins to shut down. You'll be there, Hutchinson says. The nasty part is over. You did well for a civilian, I've seen far worse. Worse than this? Hutchinson says nothing. I'm sorry? Wheeler opens his eyes again. He gestures at the mayhem from which he just escaped, the fire door and everything it leads to. It's all still down there. You've seen worse than this? Hutchinson again says nothing. What is this? What happened here? At first, Hutchinson doesn't answer this either. She walks away across the roof and spends an entire minute staring at the forthcoming sun. And then, surprising Wheeler and slightly surprising even herself, she walks back to him and says... SCP-4051, which is the number we just assigned to this infestation, has intrinsic property which makes it nearly impossible for sapient organisms to perceive it. It's a form of camouflage. It's not invisible, it's a mental blocking effect. Information about it goes nowhere, it gets suppressed. People walk past this building... Wait, is this the dinosaurs? No, it's a different one. The, the dinosaurs aren't fingers. 
Right. It's not invisible, it's a mental blocking effect. Information about it goes nowhere, it gets suppressed. People walk past this building every day of the week. They don't see what's blocking the windows. They don't. They walk past that door and don't realise it's standing open. It could have been here for decades. The researchers will get the whole story eventually. Wheeler finds in this explanation something he halfway understands. So, living Fenords? That's a Fenord, I don't know this. And this actually slows Hutchinson down for a second. She gets that reference. She read those books when she was younger, years ago, before joining the Foundation. But she's never made the connection between Fenords and the work she does. What the fuck is a Fenord? <laughs> For as long as she's been working there, she hasn't even thought about it. It's probably some, like, dorky Star Trek shit. Research Fenords. What the fuck is a Fenord? <laughs> F-Nord. The Illuminatus trilogy, I've never read it. I imagine there's something called Fenords yeah. in it. Yeah. The irony is intense enough fingers. to burn. Yeah, she says. <laughs> Except that you can see them, Willa says. I have specialist training, Hutchinson says, declining to mention a drug regimen, and I also can see them. You seem to have a mild natural immunity to memory clouding phenomena, Hutchinson explains. It's rare, but it happens. At hospital this busy, someone like you is bound to stumble into this place sooner or later. And escape alive, he proudly adds. But the point is, this infestation, SCP-4051, is a snowflake. I don't mean it's a special and unique, I mean it's part of a blizzard. I work for an independent scientific research institution with a specialist focus on the containment of hazardous anomalous phenomena. We have an international mandate for minimal researchers and unimaginable responsibilities. We, we watch the blizzard and we guard the little fire. We're called the Foundation. Damn. We're... Name drop. <laughs> Opening credits. <laughs> Wheeler, or I guess Hutchinson now. <laughs> Wheeler's full attention is on her now. He feels tense and exposed here, vulnerable to extraordinary natural forces from which, by rights, he should be fleeing. But he's also fascinated. Hutchinson has a faintly ethereal attitude to her, as if she's not standing on the same planet as everybody else. So you're not FBI, he says. Either I mean, that was my other guess. Hutchinson wrinkles her nose. I hate that show. I don't believe I mentioned a show, Wheeler says mischievously. They do everything wrong, Hutchinson says. A nerve has been touched. She shuffles irately. They don't have enough people. They don't trust each other. They don't spend nearly enough time on paperwork. Paperwork saves lives. But most of all, I, I hate the will they or won't they. For what, five years? It's forced. It's farcial. She glows at Wheeler. It doesn't take that long to know. You will or you won't, and then you do. Wheeler, Wheeler reads her expression carefully. You, you do? Yeah. Hutchinson says, smiling again. Yeah, I think you do. A distant rapid flooding noise slowly becomes apparent. Hutchinson sees the source of the sound first and points. Back up's here. It looks like he rated a helicopter after all. Does that mean that they're going to be together once more? Well, this is a flashback. Oh, that's sad. I thought it ended on a happy note. I got lost. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's okay. This is really fast. It's still really, that's still pretty good. I'll give that another 13 out of 10. Thank I you. like you, Quantum. I almost Why is I thank you? First, <laughs> I, <laughs> thank you for your service. I almost want to go insane mode and give you 14 out of 10. Thank you. Just to drive him mad. But I will not. 13 out of 10. Wait, who am I? Am I Quantum? What's happening? What's going on? The, the you. <laughs> Help. Where am I? <laughs> Shut up. I'm like, confused okay 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 um so we did two right uh that's right though yes we're we're uh, i think that's all we have time for we're like an hour in now uh, yeah we gotta read comments we'll continue next time probably you have to do the comments i don't have the strength okay. for it i think evil space may have to wait for tomorrow guys <laughs> <laughs> he's barely hanging on listen to him <laughs> i'm so hungry then eat. <laughs> Just read. Oh, we got some fucking Jesus. Shyphalia says, Whoever wrote the description for this video accidentally put in the links for last episode's readings. Let me fucking correct that live on air. <laughs> yeah, heartbeat shotgun. <laughs> uh, nice arguments. Unfortunately, I'm inside your walls. <laughs> You're like the Eddie Bird of <laughs> <laughs> the many birds in the world. 
I love Eddie Buzz. He's great. He's, He's also fingers, so it's related to today's. Walter. Don't get rid of memory of me, Walter. I am forgetting about you right now, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> Anomalous writer says, Salvation High School would be a pretty weird place. Also chicanery. I liked... I thought it was a good speech. I wish I had time-stamped it. <laughs> Insert clever name here says, Yes! This thing declared madness mage! It's real! Can we get much higher? Higher! So high! <laughs> we need, like, a little, like, anomalous version of all the frames. <laughs> you and me doing, like, the fist clench? Yeah. <laughs> Lan says... Return to SCP, the prodigal son. I like a little robot voice for that. Comedy Man Count says, And the bread bubbles of history! <laughs> One big shotgun versus absolute rejection, pariah! Begin! <laughs> There's only one thing I think of what I am. <laughs> Orchid Stream says, um, This podcast may not unbreak my bones, but it's still alright. Anyways, I'm not too a f- big a fan of abstract SCPs like this one, but I can see the appeal. Daniel's uh, that game says, "Not even twenty minutes in, and you've already made four Breaking Bad jokes." Actually, the break back all sorts. Just gonna keep going. I, I can't, have you played a game called Seven Days to Die? Seven Days to Die. No, I've heard of it though. I've, <laughs> so I was playing with a bunch of my work friends, and one of my friends is like the guy who does like the electricity and bikes and stuff, and he's like, he, like, makes all this stuff, so I was like, can I be the Jesse Pinkman to your Walter White? And he's like, yeah. Fantastic. That happened. This is happening. (laughs) Yeah. I think you and me should partner up. (laughs) What Chin said in real life, like, what, VLS, like you, decides he wants to break bad? (laughs) (laughs) Sobek says, can't wait for the upcoming Lost Skippos Hermanos arc with Tenhavo Fring and Lyle Nell. Furthermore, we <laughs> definitely have steel. Uh, we need to do that still. Yeah, after Antiomatics. Yes, yes. Steve Oesk says, on the topic of people finding you through binging, I mean, <laughs> I've been following you guys on and off for the better part of two years. Listening to you guys bro out and meme a lot is a vibe. Oh. Sometimes binging that while working just makes the day go better. Thank you, Steve You are heart. much. You are a lot like Steve-O, I think. <laughs> Who's Steve-O? I don't know. He's a lot like him, do you think? Steve-O. <laughs> Steve-O, you have my 13 out of 10 of the heart. Wonderful. Quaker Button knows 128 says, You should create the original false Hydra post on the great <laughs> RPG blog next Halloween. Yes, we should. We should. We should actually just do it next week. It's stretching the definition of creepy pupsa, but it's worth it. Huh? It's so good, dude. We need to. JTKC says SCP. We're back from the creepy pasta month. Wait, what's a creepy pasta? Didn't we spend the whole October reading SCPs? Ah, Subaru moments. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta agree with Darnell about Class of 76 stuff, <laughs> where it can feel like, insert code phrase, and insert phenomenon, plus repeat for 7,000 words. I do appreciate the vibe they give off, though, but I guess it's just not for me. I rate this episode a 10 out of 10 on the Darnell scale. That's a devastatingly low rating. Yeah. <laughs> 11 bonus stars and 11 negative, because it was 11-11 yesterday. <laughs> Have a good week, guys. Smile. Thank you. Warray SCP says, whenever you all mentioned the word salvation, there's a very sinister Warray voice. <laughs> I was thinking of the Salvation Army. Today I have several recommendations for future episodes, all of them short. Scared. SCP Free. I don't know why I did that ominous pause there. <laughs> <laughs> SCP-3352 Bethlehem Steel by the great Hippo SCP-7025 You'll be killed by a bus by Green Wolf 
Did you realize that almost all these guys are just named after animals just now? Yeah, suspicious. SCP-7013. 13, indeed. By Fishish. This is not Elphick. <laughs> SCP-7841. V is for violence. By... No one important. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> what does that mean? The Fairhaven Chocolate Factory by me. If you read it, you'll get free... Can I would not. I would not accept the guari candy. That sounds kind of. Have a toffee. Guys. It's homemade, without any tools <laughs> or foodstuffs at all. Has anyone eaten toffee outside of the Chronicles of Narnia? My affability lets me produce toffee. Does anyone eat it? No, it's poisonous. <laughs> That's a pretty good ability, I guess. I can use it to I travel back in toffee. time. Isn't it like tofu coffee? It's like candy. But how? Do you know how know. candies have how? Like you think, do you think I eat toffee? Do you think I know anything about it other than the fact that it exists in Narnia? You're the only one who would. Well, along with Turkish person. Delight. <laughs> I have had a Turkish Delight. They're really good. Were you delighted? I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it, was a, it actually was a delight. It was like a little nut on top of a little pastry with jelly. <laughs> Look at Edmund over here. Yeah. It's me. Okay. But yeah, well, that, that's our last comment. No one ever read the thing again. Thank you guys for for watching, and we'll see you next time on the X Files. I hate X Files. No. Bye. Bye.